Hey, this is Brian Golden. I am the lead pastor of Centerpoint Church, and I just want to welcome you to our podcast and thank you for taking the time to listen. And I just want to let you know if you are in the greater Tampa Bay area, we would love to have you join us at one of our gatherings. And here's the thing about Centerpoint. Our vision is really simple. We want to be an alternative to church as usual for all people. And that just means we want this to be a safe place that welcomes everybody. Doesn't matter what your background is or really where you're at on your faith journey. And so if you want any more information about our gatherings, go to our website at centerpointfl.org. And then most importantly, whether you're a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just in that place of investigating faith, I really hope today's message encourages you and really helps you to find life and freedom in Jesus. How are we doing at the inaugural 8.15 a.m. at our brand new campus? That wasn't bad. We're going to celebrate some stuff at the end, but this is a massive day for us as a church, and we were reminded we were in our huddle this morning, and I just believe this with everything in me. The church is the greatest movement in the history of the world, and it's been jacked up a lot, but we get to be a part of something really special, and honestly, at really, really early this morning to see as many bridge builders, uh, which is what we call volunteers here, show up ready to go was absolutely amazing. Like, I love our church. So we're going to dive into uh, this series called Start Over, and how many of you uh, at Christmas, if you have little kids, this is a necessary evil, but you've got to put together all kinds of junk. It's not junk. Your kids are going to enjoy it um, for like seven minutes, and then you're going to give it a goodwill in six months. But how many of you have to put a bunch of stuff together on Christmas Eve? So anybody in the house? So this is um, one of my attempts. This is an ongoing project uh, that's still not completed because the manufacturer didn't know what they were doing. Um, when they made this thing. So the roof does not fit correctly. And so, and there's half of it not here. And I never, and I know this is like a cliche for dudes, but I never read the directions ever. And I have no aptitude to put anything together or build anything. Anybody who knows me will tell you that, but still like the idea that I'm going to read directions is such an unbelievable waste of time to me. And yet I will not even tell you how many times I've attempted to put something together only to have to disassemble it and reassemble it again. And this right here, I still have not read the directions and how long has it been since Christmas? And I'm still trying to put this stupid thing together and half of it's not even here, you know, my poor kids. So two years ago, this is how bad it is. Two years ago, I'm kind of embarrassed to tell you this. Two years ago, um, we got our kids a cut, like a trampoline and I was a little bit nervous of me trying to put that together because that's unlike this is kind of a safety issue and several other things that I, um, I paid somebody to put my kids' Christmas toys together. That's how bad it was. Um, and so my kids on Christmas morning, like, did Santa bring that? Did Santa put that together? I'm like, well, if Santa works for the Tackle app, then yes, he did, because daddy didn't put any of this together. So like, it's just an ongoing thing in my house. And I, I've had to do that so many times where I have to put something together, disassemble it, try to put it back together again, start all over from the beginning. And you would think at some point along the line, I would learn, and I don't. And my point in all that is this, that that's not a big deal with this kind of stuff. It might be a big deal to my kid, but in the end of the day, it's not that big a deal, though I think the leading cause of divorce is couples trying to put together toys on Christmas Eve that are a part of that thing where you got to snap out all the pieces. Like that will destroy a marriage quicker than anything else will destroy a marriage. But it's not that big a deal generally when you're doing something like this and you got to start over. But in regard to your life, when you get down the road too far, unlike this, like the, the consequences of having to start over can mean so much 
in terms of your life. So here's what this series is about. It's just simply titled Start Over. And the tagline is this, how to make sure that next time is not like last time. And the reality is this, like all of us, and this doesn't mean like your life is bad, but no matter how good your life is, there's gonna be areas where you gotta start over. There's gonna be some instance, whether it's financially in some area, it's a season of your life, it's a relationship, it's a semester do over, it's you know, just something that didn't work out or, or somebody who walked out. And no matter what it is, all of us at some level, we're going to have a start over experience. And here's the thing that like propelled me to wanna to do this series because one of the, like, the casualties of my job is watching so many people and getting a front row seat to watch people move out of one thing and then immediately into something else to start over. And you watch it go down kind of in slow motion and you think, what are you doing? Like, why, hurt? why do you think that's a good idea? Why are you undermining your own happiness, your own peace and your own fulfillment? Because so many of us, for a couple of reasons I'm gonna talk about in a minute, we, we, we feel this compulsion to where something goes off the rails or something goes bad and we've gotta start over and we wanna rush into the next thing. And here's the thing, that this is just a thing, I think, just in terms of human nature. Here's just the reality for a lot of us. We tend to learn from the mistakes that matter least. Like you text somebody that isn't your spouse, something that was supposed to go to your spouse, you'll never do that again after you've done it. And I'm not speaking from experience, I'm just saying maybe that's happened to you. But like you will never, ever do that again. You make a mistake playing Fortnite, you're probably gonna correct that pretty quick. We just tend to like get on the things that really matter least. But here's just human nature, is that in a lot of cases we repeat mistakes in the areas that matter most. Like we have some things where relationally we've done the same thing three or four times. Where maybe financially, we've repeated some things a couple times. Maybe um, spiritually, maybe in terms of something with education or, or something in regard to just some relationships or friendships around us. But in the areas where they have the greatest consequences for the trajectory of our life, a lot of times we just tend to repeat our mistakes. And then we get on the other side of it, and what do we do? We throw up our hands and go, when will I learn? Like, why do I, is like Paul in the New Testament, I do what I don't wanna do, and the things that I do wanna do, I end up not doing. Like, like, what is that? Why do I keep doing that? And here's the, the operative word in that is I. And we've talked about this over and over again, but this is just truth for all of us. And it doesn't matter your faith background. So if you don't believe and you're watching, listening on radio, you're in the house today, um, this is just where we all are kind of on common ground is, is nobody, as we say often here, nobody has hurt you more than you. Nobody has let you down more than you. And so we get on the other side to go, what, because like you drank it, you smoked it, you dated it, whatever your greatest regrets are, like you're the common denominator in all of those regrets and so am I, right? Are you with me at the 8.15 a.m.? Like that's just true. And here's the thing, but sometimes it's not even what you've done, sometimes legitimately it's things that have been done to you. But even then, there are some things that you have to take care of and you have to pay attention to before you have a do-over or start-over experience or you will consistently sabotage the next season of your life. Like the reality is just this. Everybody's got this choice. You can either live as a victim or you can have victory, but you cannot have both. And it's not that what was done didn't matter or that it wasn't a big deal, but you have the choice of whether you are going to carry it in every season or not. And I'm just telling you, if you carry the same stuff from this season into the next season, your next start over is gonna look a lot like the last time. So we're gonna look at in this series is like, how do we, how do we avoid that? How do we move forward? Solomon says this, 
wisest um, guy in the world, and um, he wrote a ton on business and relationships and finance. So if you're not a believer, that's just a good place to start. And he's like, wisdom calls aloud in the street. And she raises her voice in the public squares. Meaning, he's not talking about God, he's talking about literally wisdom, and he refers to wisdom as a she, probably appropriately so. And Solomon's like, listen, it is accessible to you. And then he says this in verse 23 of um, Proverbs 1, if you had responded to my rebuke, basically, if you just had listened, I would have poured out my heart to you and made my thoughts, what's the word? It's not on the screen, so you should just put this verse to memory. What's wrong with you? <laughs> made my thoughts known to you. Basically, God's going, I told him I wasn't gonna do that verse. The, the, the bottom line is God's going, I, I want what is obvious to everybody else around you. Because isn't it true, we have crystal clear insight into the stupidity of other people. Like you watch somebody else do something, yeah, you can clap for that. You watch somebody else do something, you're like, that is such a dumb decision. And then people look at our life and they say the exact same thing. But what literally God's saying is through the means of wisdom, which is available to all of us, I want what is obvious to become obvious to you. Now here's the thing, here's why we don't do this. And here's why a lot of times our start over looks a lot like the last time. Our next time looks a lot like the last time we went through whatever we're going through. And what I wanna do is I wanna look at um, this morning just three myths really, really quickly or three lies. And then over the next three weeks after this, I wanna dive really, really deep. So I'm not gonna dive really, really deep today. So you gotta come back from that. I hope you will be here for this whole series. But to, in order to set this series up really, really well, I just need to deal with three things that are not rocket science. In fact, I'm gonna talk about them and you'd be like that's, not, like, that's not necessarily new information, but we just need somebody to unearth the lies that play us that we believe that ultimately undermine us in our start over or begin again experiences. And then we'll come back and talk about how to do that over the next couple of weeks. So the, the first lie or myth is this, is that experience ultimately makes me wiser. Like when we're moving out of one thing and into another thing, this is the lie that we believe that experience is gonna make me wiser. Mm -mm. Experience may make you angrier. Experience might make you cynical. Experience might make you tired. Experience might do a lot of things and experience can make you wiser. But to think that because I have experience, I am wiser, it's one of the biggest lies the enemy's gonna use to play you over and over and over again because experience does not make you wiser just because you go, well, I've done that. I've walked through that. I've been there. I've watched somebody. I, like I've experienced that. That experience does not make you wiser. Here's the reality. Evaluated experience is what makes you wiser evaluate, like you've watched people with a past and they've walked through some stuff, but they haven't learned from that past. You've, wa you've watched some people who've got some experiences in certain areas and you think, well, you probably you're clued in by now, but they're not. And they've, ex they've, they've repeated some of those same experiences over and again. This is why every year at the end of the Bucks season, Tampa Bay Bucks NFL, like I think next year is gonna be our year. Next year, even though we ended seven and nine and Jameis went 30 for 30, like next year, like we are primed for next year. Why do I do that? Because I'm stupid. Because there's been years of experience to tell me that's not gonna happen. And yet I just ignore all of it to think, no, 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 next year is our year. Because I'm just a dumb Bucks fan. But we do the same thing with life. Like we just ignore all of the experience and think just the experience itself is gonna make me wiser and nothing could be further from the truth. Solomon, the same guy I just quoted a second ago says this. This is kind of my life verse and it's a weird life verse. The prudent 
literally the wise, see danger up ahead and they take refuge. Meaning, they connect today and yesterday to tomorrow and they look ahead to go, just because if I experienced it doesn't mean that I'm gonna be any more prepared the next time. And so I'm looking ahead to go, I don't wanna do that again. I don't wanna repeat this again. I don't wanna end up here again. I don't wanna have these same emotions again. And so they see danger, what's happened in the past, what could happen in the future. And it says they take refuge. But the simple, literally the dumb, naive, they just keep going and they suffer for it. And next time looks exactly like last time. And what we're gonna look at in this series is how do you connect experience to actually evaluating that experience so that when you are moving into a next time or begin again in any area of your life, you are actually better prepared because experience by itself does not make you wiser. The second myth or lie is this, that to know, since I know better, ultimately I'm gonna do better. Because I know better, thank you, Isaiah. Your feedback on the second row is really helping me right now. It, because I, I know better, I'm going to do better. Now, like, this is a thing, like, if you have kids, but even if you don't have kids, like, you can relate to this, where you're telling your kid over and over again, hey, just remember, just whatever, make sure you don't. And they're like, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. And you're like, okay, I know you know. But because you know, it makes no difference whatsoever because you will walk out the door and not do any of it, right? Like, because you know better, there is almost no correlation to you actually doing what you know. In fact, here's the other thing about it. Because you know what you should do or because you know what's right and wrong or or because you know ultimately what you think is gonna be the best decision for your life, just because you know that doesn't mean that you have the strength to do it. It doesn't even mean that you have the self-control or discipline to do it. Just because you know better does not mean that you are going to do better. Knowing better does not equal doing better. In fact, doing, knowing better does not equal the ability to do better. And in Jeremiah 17, 9, he says this, your heart, my heart is deceitful. This is kind of in your face and a little offensive if you're not you know, on board with the Jesus thing yet, but is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can understand it? Meaning you have a hard time, and I have a hard time figuring out our own thoughts and ideas in terms of the, the reasons why we talk ourselves into bad decisions for our life. Because we'll go, no, 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 that's true for everybody else. And I know that that's true for everybody else, but it's not true for me because my circumstances are different. And then you start piling up reasons to make really dumb decisions. Because you knowing better, there is no correlation to you doing better. It's why you see people in relationships and I'm not being critical, I'm just saying. I'm not talking to you, I'm talking about your friend that you're thinking about right now. But they just get in relationship after a relationship and they're like, why do I keep dating losers? Like there's a common denominator in every one of those relationships. And so the question you gotta ask is, how do you move to a place to connect, do knowing better, knowing what is right, knowing what is best to actually doing it, actually fulfilling it and walking it out and walking it through. And then the third, the third liar myth is this, and I wanna spend a second on this because I think this is the most destructive one. I think this is true of everybody. I can only speak from the perspective of a dude a lot of times. I think this is particularly destructive to dudes, though it's for everybody. But, but the third lie or myth in terms of like when we're walking out of anything, whether it's a financial crash, whether it's just new season, we, we move to a, a new town or we're in a new position, a new career, or we're starting over in regard to relationship, whatever it is, is this is the myth that just plays us and, and talks us into really bad decisions. And it's just this, time is against me. Time is against me. 
Time is against me. I don't know if I'm gonna get this opportunity again. I don't know if I'm gonna be offered this again. I don't know if this is ever gonna come up again. All my friends, everybody around me, or you said this, everybody my age, and you're looking around at whatever your age is and you thought you would accomplish whatever by this time or you had this goal or this dream, and now you're looking at everybody else around you and there's this panic that starts to set in because I don't know if this is gonna come around again. I don't know if this is the last train out of Singleville or not. I don't know if I'm gonna be stuck here forever or not. And you start to feel this thing of, I think time's against me. I think I need to act. I think I need to do something. It is the maybe most destructive lie. And the enemy is gonna use it over and over. And I think with men, it can particularly be destructive because a lot of you are driven. There's something that, that I believe God's actually placed on your heart to accomplish and do, but you get to a place where you just start to panic and you drive yourself into working too much. You make really bad decisions. You start to grab a hold of behaviors you know are not gonna end well because there's just this feeling of, I need to make it happen. I need to do it. I know it may not be best, but maybe I need to say yes anyway. And somehow the end is gonna justify the mean, means and I'm gonna circumvent all the consequences because I just feel like time is against me. This is one of the big lies in regard to relationships where you see people over and over again, it breaks my heart as a pastor where they get out of one relationship and then right back into another relationship. A really trusted friend and counselor of ours, his name is Kevin, and he says this to, to all couples. He's actually been through it himself. He's in a second marriage and um, just a phenomenal guy, phenomenal counselor. But, but he says anytime he's counseling somebody, he will literally say this word for word. Listen to me. Time is your friend. It is not your enemy. Time is your friend. It is not your enemy. Listen, time is your friend. Because anytime you're walking out of something particular, particularly where maybe there's been some pain and there's been some hurt or you've been let, let down or they promised you whatever, a share in the company and then they sold it out from under you or whatever your story is, somebody walks out on you, somebody betrays you, a dream dies and it's just not what you thought. When you're walking particularly out of something like that, inevitably, if you don't give it enough time, you are out of balance. Anytime you go through pain or hurt, you're just out of balance. Your equilibrium is off. Things are just not right. And you know that. You know that with physical pain. You know that with pain when you're walking through something, just like everything is not right and you need time for healing. And the same is true emotionally and the same is true with your life. You need time to regain balance and you need time for the emotions to come down. And listen, you know this already. Emotions rise much faster than they come down. And so you walk out of something and you're still, not because there's anything wrong with you. It takes time to deal with stuff, but you're walking out of something and there's still some resentment that you're carrying. Honestly, for good reason. And it takes a minute to wrestle with that and to let that go. And it is not happening in an instant. There's some anger that you're still carrying. In some cases, maybe there's some jealousy that you're carrying, but you're walking out of something where there's been some hurt and there's been some pain and you need time emotionally to heal. And come on, I just wanna... This is, you need to just lean in for just a second. This is true of physical, this is true emotionally. When you are in pain, and this is not because anything's wrong with you, this is just a human nature thing. When you are in pain, you are self-absorbed. Always. My wife, when she's having a baby, she's screaming at me for things I don't even understand. Like, get here right now, you got me pregnant, you're just gonna leave me, you know, and then... (laughs) 
I'm off somewhere else trying to, you know, protect her wishes, and then she, you know, she wants something. Like, I can't win because, and I understand it, I'm not throwing shade at my wife. When you are having a baby, you are self-absorbed. Like, it is all about you as it should be in the moment. So women don't hear me saying anything derogatory. It should be. But my point is just this, should have used another example. When you are in pain, just realize it, that'll be cut in the other two services. When you are in pain, (laughs) when you are in pain, um... You're self-absorbed. You just are. It is the nature of pain. You ever hit yourself with a hammer? You don't want to talk to anybody for a few minutes, right? When you're walking out of something and you got to start over or begin again, it's just the nature of pain. You are self-absorbed. It's why people come to your community group and they talk the entire time. And then they walk away and like, that was an amazing community group. And you're like, you talk the entire time about your story and your pain. And listen, that's amazing. We, we need people to walk with people through that. But, but you've watched that. You've evaluated that. Because the nature of pain is self-absorption. And here's the thing. When you are self-absorbed, you make self-absorbed decisions. And the reality is when you get to a place where you are healthy, when you are healthy, you have clarity. And when you are healthy and you have clarity, you make better decisions. And I can't tell you, and I just tell you this because I love you, and then I've been through this, so I'm, I'm talking to me. But, but where you, you just have to pause sometimes on the other side of whatever and realize I'm not totally healthy right now. And if I'm not healthy, it means that there are things that I don't have clarity about. And come on, you don't know you don't have clarity. That's the nature of not having clarity. But you need to get healthy because here's the thing. When you're not healthy, when you're in that self-absorbed place, when you're still carrying stuff from the past, here's what's gonna happen. In in that season, there are things that you physically cannot hear. And there are people that you cannot hear. And it's not that they're not talking and it's not that somebody's not saying something. It's just you're not in a healthy place to hear it. And it's why you'll get on the other side of something and go, why didn't I listen to them? Why didn't, I, why didn't I pay attention? Because you weren't in a healthy place to do that. I, I remember um, shortly after my mom passed away, my dad, just, who is an incredibly wise man, just saying to me offhand, he's like, I'm not making any big decisions for a while. Because I just know that I'm in pain, I'm hurting. And that's not the time to make any big decisions because I, I don't necessarily have clarity. And that's true with any kind of pain in life. And here's the thing that we think, and I'll move on. This is the lie that gets us. Well, I know that that's true for everybody else. And we think my circumstance is different. This relationship is different. What I'm walking through is different. And I just wanna tell you in love, you are unique. Your circumstance is not. It is a well-worn, predictable path. And Solomon says, talking about wisdom, she's gonna get her way. And no matter how much you intend, no matter how much you hope, no matter how much you think you're different, at the end of the day, cause and effect, wisdom is going to win out. And Jesus, who loves you, who already proved that he was for you, is going, I wanna invite you into something better, something more, something beyond what, what you're gonna discover on your own by just buying into the lie of experience is gonna make me better or just because I have the knowledge, I know what to do with it or or the fact that that maybe time is against me so I feel rushed into a decision I know God's not leading me into right now. So here's the thing, I was thinking through the scriptures of like where this pops up and I'm not even gonna deal with these characters later later in the scriptures, but you see this over and over again. David, who had a start over experience where he's abandoned from the kingdom and eventually comes back. You see this in Moses who Moses was a guy in Egypt 
and eventually goes and is a sheep farmer, has given up all hope of God doing anything significant with his life and then comes back and leads the Israelites out of Egypt and God uses him ultimately to set the stage for an empire that would birth the Messiah, but it was all from a start over experience. Paul is the ultimate example of wanting to kill and stomp out Christianity and then he becomes a Christian and God, I think in essence goes, I'm gonna save this guy and use him so that the world would know from the ultimate start over, I've got a past, but I am a God who is about start overs and begin agains. I'm gonna use this guy to let the world know that anybody can start over again. But here's what you find in all of those things, all of those stories. There is a significant amount of time between their first time and their start over. For Moses, 40 years. It's encouraging. For David, eight to 12 years. For Paul, somewhere around 14 to 15 years. But here's what you find with every single one of those. That when they were willing to move through the process and eventually get to the place to surrender and trust God, when they got out on the other side of it, two things emerged in their life. And you see this over and over again, and maybe you've met people like this, maybe you are those people. That when they get on the other side, they emerge with this sense of divine destiny and unwavering, unshakable humility. When you're willing to walk through it where you'd go, I would never choose this. And I just wanna tell you, it always requires more time than you're comfortable with. You failed at something, you've had somebody fail you, you've had to walk out of something that you never would have choose. What God wants to do always requires more time than you are comfortable. And I'll just tell you, in some cases, your talent can take you further than your character can keep you, and God knows that. And so when you are willing to go, I'm just gonna wait, God, for you. And I feel like I need to rush into this because I'm not getting any younger and I don't know if this is gonna come around again or I feel like I'm ready, but something in me says that I just need to pause and stop. When you are willing to do that, you will come out on the other side with this divine sense of destiny where, God, I would never choose this, but I realize that I'm a part of a bigger story and a bigger canvas that you're painting and it's not about me. And literally, you have a will and a destiny for my life and I've waited 10 years for it. I've walked through some failures. I would have never chosen it, but the fact that I was willing to surrender to you on the other side before I started over again, I've seen God move through that. And I know that God has a will and a destiny for my life. And the other thing that happens is this unshakable humility where you realize it's not about me. And God had my timetable in his hands all along. And God knew that I was gonna have to start over all along. And, and in, there's this verse in the New Testament that says, when you are willing to humble yourselves, therefore under the mighty hand of God in due time, and the due time is always longer than you want it to be. God will lift you up, he'll lift you out, and he'll see you through. And listen, this is just, again, this is just a thing that's just true of all of us. In round one of anything, it's all about us generally. And that's, that's all not necessarily bad. There's just a part of human nature where just, when you're starting out, your first marriage is gonna be amazing. Hopefully it's just gonna be your only marriage, but you're, you're, that marriage is gonna be amazing. Your kids are gonna be amazing. Other parents are gonna talk to you about how you parent your kid because you're so amazing. Like you're, I'm gonna finish college at this time. I'm gonna be done at 23. I'm gonna, whatever, I'm gonna start this business and the market share. And, and it's just all about you. God, help me. God, help me to come through. Help her to say yes. Help us have an amazing marriage that glorifies you. And the sex is really good, all for your glory. Like help all of that to happen. But it's all about us. 
But I just tell you, when you're willing after, after some things don't go exactly as you planned, and that doesn't mean you're not gonna be successful, but this is just true. Nothing in life is perfect. It's not all gonna work out perfect. And you haven't been promised a perfect life. You've been promised a perfect savior. And when you're willing to pause between round one and round two of whatever that thing is, I'm telling you, if you're willing to sit there and go, God, I'm gonna surrender to you, you will come out on the other side with this divine sense of destiny and this unshakable humility of God's got me. And your next time can be better and different than last time. And I don't care what your last time looked like. And here's how I know this. Because Paul, the guy that I talked about just a few minutes ago, the guy that I think God raised up to go, I just want the world to know. If I can, if I can give this guy a do-over, I can give you a do-over. This dude that walked into villages and wives didn't have husbands and kids didn't have dads anymore. If I can redeem him and his past, you can begin again. And Paul, who knows better than anybody, says this, and we know that in all things, and in this, in this context, every circumstance, the things done to you and the things that you chose to do to yourself, we know that in all things, God works. God will redeem it. God's never gonna go, I'm just done. Because God is a God who stepped into our broken story to give all of humanity a start over. And he says, I'll work all things together for the good of those who love me, who go, Jesus, I'm surrendering to you and who've been called according to his purpose and his will. Listen, you know this. Maybe you don't know this. God can leverage purpose out of anything if you invite him to. Just my opinion. I think if you don't invite him to, those all things eventually will haunt you. But God says, I will take the worst most embarrassing, the biggest secret. And if you will surrender it to me, and if you will trust me, and it takes more than just hoping, or I have experience, or I know about whatever, or this idea of time, and I've got to make it happen. If you're willing to surrender all of that, I'll take that, I'll redeem that. And rather than something that haunts you from your past, it's going to inform your future. And your next time is going to be different than your last time. And maybe like Paul, use your life in ways that you could have never imagined, not in spite of your past, but because of it. So I want you to follow me. Would you just stand with me all over the auditorium? And I just want to pray with you in this moment as we dive into this over the next couple of weeks. Jesus, I thank you so much for your grace. And I thank you that 2,000 plus years ago, that in your brilliance, you left us this incredible just roadmap for more importantly than anything else to know you and to know how good you are and to know that we have a savior that came and died and he did it for the sake of us and then he walked out of a grave alive and he's proven in history that he is for us that God, now there's this invitation to live a life in step with what he wants for us. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it causes us to wait longer than we should. But I pray in this moment, wherever we're at in regard to our start over experience, that right now we would just be willing, even if we don't know what it's gonna require to just surrender to you. That God, I'm gonna pause 
some cases I already know I, I need to say no. I'm going to take more time than I had planned. And I am in this moment throwing up my hands to go, God, I surrender to you in this. And I want next time to be different than the last time. And I want you to move in and through my life in spite of and even because of what's happened in my past. And we pray this in the name of a God who redeems and restores all things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this message or have been impacted by Centerpoint Church in any way, would you consider helping us out in one of two ways? First, if you would just spread the word, share this message with your friends, family. Maybe you could go rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher, but this helps us so much more than you know. And secondly, this ministry is supported by people like you through their financial generosity. And so if you've been impacted by any of these messages, would you consider giving to support the mission and vision of Centerpoint to see people reach with the radical grace of Jesus? You can give today on our website at centerpointfl.org. And again, that's centerpointfl.org.